I've eased my fear by relying on lots and lots of practice and being able to move forward, eliminating the things that I'm scared of. Now is the time. You're invited to join us, a movement of leaders who are willing to step into a new approach to leadership across the global landscape. This is as simple as humanity being just you and I, and stakeholders being the value you place on each decision to add or take away from humanity going forward. Hold a minute. Stay with us. We know people like you want to play at a different scale, and these conversations help create the opportunity for you to take this up a notch, or two, or a whole lot more. With a curiosity, let's dig deeper, behind the scenes to see the why, the what, the where, the who, and the when. From other smart humans who make smart decisions and innovate smart, sustainable solutions to narrow the gap from problem to solution, learn in today's conversation how you can begin to do this. Come, join us. Hey, here's a little heads up. Sometimes on this podcast, we will be using and giving you a little just snippet of an insight around a speaker that we've had at the Global Human Intelligence Forum, our annual event. And I really want to be able to give you an an air to listen in on a conversation that I think is so powerful. These were conversations where at the forum, everyone has a seat at the table. Anyone can come because I believe that there's a lot of places we're not having some of these conversations. So you will hear from amazing literally awesome leaders across the globe using not just in their community but leaving behind footprints that are really sustainable for us as a society going forward and so you know sometimes beforehand you might hear a little bit of a casual conversation but it starts with a conversation so listen in and I can't wait to hear what you get from this. All right, so here we go. You know what cracks me up is, A, you talk about cupcakes and that makes me extremely hungry and so I was getting messages, do you need food? I'm like, that's hilarious. (laughs) And B, the fact that you talk about cupcakes because your role and what you took us on that journey of some of what it was like for you to go out into the field, those are two big extremes and I think that's, That's what I love about you as well is the fact that we have so many extremes. We are going to have to keep questions to a minimal because we do have our next person coming into the house very soon. But I just want to give space because I know there was some, that was just awesome, Jonathan. I love, you know, you continue always to use what you've learned on the field and put that in pathways that you have now translated into, you know, the business world and and in your own personal life and your dedication as friendship as well. Like I think you're very, you know, you make sure and then it's like, so, okay, great. Now that we've done that, is there anything else I can help you with? Like it's always that um, making sure that there's completion even in our relationship, you know, and that connection side of it. So I just think this is important 
not just to look through the lens of out in the field, but how do we take what we've learned in whatever we're doing into our own personal lives as we had that conversation this morning around the, the spiritual life and then, you know, in our physical life, we've, we had Chris the other day bring up that. And, you know, the thing with you, Jonathan, is, and I don't know anyone else as strongly around this, but the whole theme on this has been, hey, let's stretch our human intelligence. And I think of that as the mental, like for you, how do, how did you like, I guess, you know, you were talking about that, the salt in the eyes and all you wanted to be was at home. How do you deal with those emotions and then become even more effective because you've taken those emotions somewhere? I don't know that I deal with them. I think I just bottle them up. Yeah. <laughs> See, and that was the thing. I keep telling him we've got to talk about these things and work through it. But I think you have dealt with some. And I think that is the, the thing. And if anything, it's that it's an evolving thing, right? Um, yeah, I am constantly making an effort to be more vulnerable. I mean, and I mean, it's just so, so hard in my position because I was raised you know, most of my life to be the hard guy. And not that I was ever like the epitome of that. Cause I'm, I'm more of like a, meh, we're going to be okay. You know, <laughs> kind of guy, but the, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's a conscious journey for me to share and ask for help. And cause every single thing that I've ever been asked, like, they're like, Hey man, you have nothing. You need to go do that. I'm like, Oh, what? All right. Like, we're just going to go figure that out. And so that's a, that's a journey for me to, uh, but I'm still going on and practicing right now to be open and vulnerable. And that's what I love about you, buddy. But that's why it's such a, an extreme when you think of, you know, you find it hard to be vulnerable, yet you talk about cupcakes. I mean, like serious, you know, you're in the field, you've got to be the one that disarms those bombs, take team, have responsibility, and you freaking talk about cupcakes. I just love that. That's a disruption in itself. And I think the the big thing about you and the next one that's coming on is, you know, very much that there's this extreme that you're very decisive, you're very like this, but there's such a heart, such a love. Like, how do you deal with that extreme? Uh, like I said, I made so many mistakes and realizing that people want leadership more than anything. I mean, and I want to be led as well. You know, everybody wants to meet somebody who's awesome and to learn from them and be around them. And the less decisive, the less responsibility for myself and the situation that I took, the less I was serving others. And so that journey of just, I, I can't tell you the, I mean, just horrible ways that I've, you know, made those mistakes and, and hurt, not physically, you know, but people's feelings and stuff like that by not taking responsibility, making sure they know I own it and to moving forward. Uh, so basically the way I've traveled through that is to, is by trial and error and learning that accepting your opinion and hearing it, making sure you know that I'm addressing you, you know, the, depending on the, the severity of the situation, but being able to take responsibility after that and the amount of support that you get not being wishy-washy and stuff like that having taken a you know their 
opinions into account and moving forward is astronomically different. From, I mean, it's night and day different, you know, yeah. as leadership for me. Violet, does that answer the question about the regulating it, the fair? Uh, yeah, somewhat, but I was really interested in, in that moment. You know, do you, do you sort of snap out yourself out of it? Do you, you know, in that fear, like the fears come world up inside of you and everything's going on around you. So how in that split second do you deal with the fear? I have a problem. I'm not specifically normal, but I, uh, so I, you know what? It's just like cup, cooking cupcakes. Like if I was to mess that recipe up, it's okay. I mean, I, you know, that's like a whole lost profit and the people I won't be able to serve with that batch. So systems and processes and the steps help me overcome the fear of violence. So when I say this is what happens, you're not looking at the two years that I took these guys and, and gals and made them into the response that I want. And so when I say this, everybody knows there's other procedures that their job specifically, I made sure that they do it in their sleep. And so I've eased my fear by relying on lots and lots of practice and being able to move forward, eliminating the things that I'm scared of. Like I said, the first thing we do when we roll out is set that perimeter because I'm super scared of somebody calling a cell phone because they can see me walking in a perimeter and setting something off or somebody pressing a button with a wire connected to something. So I need that perimeter so that people are out and it protects them and it protects my people. You know, so the system of eliminating fear is what I'm going through. Yeah. So you would know what their capabilities of that what their capabilities of doing harm, you know, so you would know, oh, well, they don't have access to this type of bomb, you know, in this area. So is that one of the issues? Like one of the things you go, well, there's no way they could do that because of this. Yeah. So I don't, I'm not worried about a nuclear weapon on a, on a call like that because the level of people here don't have access to that level of, of equipment. Does that make sense? So there are a ton of things to worry about, but I'm not worried about super high-end devices or chemical and biological because that's just not available in this area. So yeah, you're right. But the entire process, now that you made me think about it, is all about eliminating fear. From the time I get a call, I'm doing that, those steps that I talked you through. And I'm, the whole point of it is to eliminate fear so that I can move forward. But just, just can I just, just one one more question? Yeah. Oh, just to be clear, the four things were observe first. When mm-hmm. you go into the area, you observe. Obviously, you're going into business. You're observing. You know what the hell's. You know where, where are you up to? What are you doing? And then after that, I mean, I've got a lot of notes. But what were the four things exactly? Yeah. Like? So observe? observe. Then I evaluate what you know. What my ultimate objective is. Like I said, if they were they they just called me for some sort of object that they were scared of. So is my job to roll down there and look at it? Yeah. No, because I have all these fears. And so I'm evaluating, removing fears and saying, hey, if there is something in there, what's my ultimate objective? It's to get the people out. Yeah. And then it's to save the medical facility so we can help more people in the future. 
But people, then facilities, and ultimately my team, because I won't be able to help anybody if anybody gets hurt or die. And then so the evaluate. Then the third one was decide where I'm going to, based on my core values and what I evaluated, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and create a plan and an emergency plan. And then I'm going to know what the difference between the two is and what triggers the, the emergency. Yeah. And then the fourth thing is take action and start with just the first step and move to the next step. And then when things change, I know they're going to change. So I have to be fluid enough to say, yep, now that's different. According to my core values, this yeah. is the new thing. Because I don't have time to go talk to everybody. I need to decide right now yeah. what the new yeah. thing is. And so I have permission to mess that up and change it. Yeah, it's interesting because it, it fits in with uh, Kiri Marie's model. If you well, really she's a genius. <laughs> she's been teaching bomb squads all over the world. <laughs> so often, yeah. You should just see, you watch my life. It's been a lot of bombs, you know, going off. I've just had to fix them and work out how not to go back into that place. Thank you, Violet. I appreciate that question. And welcome, Mike, in the house. Jonathan, like this. You know, there's something that we have talked about, but you actually didn't bring it up. And I thought that was interesting. But and that was the conversation around how with COVID and safety and placement with that side of it. Can you speak to that and what you're thinking of as you go forward and what you're bringing into the workplace through that lens? Uh, well, so that is like the reopening the business, the phases that I was talking about, like teaching people how to do that. That is the fear, like I said, is what's stopping business. And my job is to get, like, I don't want people to go hungry. I don't want people to be mad when they go home. My whole life is about getting people's work environments to have the cultures that beautiful people like you are, have created and to share them with their employees so they can go home and be better uh, husbands and wives and fathers and mothers. And then their kids are going to grow up and be better. And so the COVID thing is super important to me. That's why I shared that as an example of how to adapt it to your business. Because uh, most people, like, I'm used to things I can't see trying to kill me. Most people are trying to, you know, get over that fear. And there's two ways that a pandemic ends. One is medically and two is socially. And if we... Medically, it's only happened once ever, smallpox, because it was only transferred human to human. Everything else is still out there. So socially is how the pandemics usually end, because people are tired of whatever, and they just want to get back to normal. They don't care, and they get over the fear themselves. But if we can have the premise of protecting the vulnerable and just make all of our decisions personally off of that, based on what everybody knows and what you feel your vulnerability is. If you see somebody who's vulnerable coming, treat them as a vulnerable person. Take the precaution, get farther away from them, do whatever you need to do. So if everybody was considerate and just made all their decisions off of protecting the vulnerable, personally, then I think that we would be able to help get over this a little bit more. And I don't know if this is answering your question, but, the, but being able to eliminate the fear for your customers and your employees is going to get people back to work. Mm. I love that. No, I, I mean, we had such a great conversation around that. And I just thought that it's like what you're pulling out there, those principles that 
that thinking has come from. And I think with everything that the conversations we've had over the last, well, today's the third day, we've hit right from racial to cultural to religion to more women or is it more distinctions? We have gone through this gamut of interesting topics, interesting conversations and and just bringing it out to it. And I think Knowing that and being part of, you've been a part of a lot of the conversation as well at the table, like you've been here with us on this three days, knowing through the lens that you look through, how can we start doing things different, taking action on what we, we have already had conversations around here, right? We've opened it up. So now how do we start shifting that? I, I say uh, local, like I can't change the government right now but I can change the way my kids feel and the way you feel when I treat you. Mm. And so I hate generalities. Please show me specific things so I can get right next to you and, and take care of a problem. Good. And that's what I teach my kids. Like, Hey, don't, it doesn't matter what I, we might, there's no matter what anybody says, there's some other element of truth somewhere, but this is how we treat people. Mm. You know, like Brian was saying, what, you know, what would Jesus do? What would Muhammad do? What would, you know, whoever do the beauty of all these things is I try to teach finding, finding similarities, just like Earl, and then moving forward through the, through the similarities. Because if you let, you know, the differences scare you, you're not going to try to reach out. And when people make generalities, I think it cuts people off. And so I would choose I choose, this is what I'm doing. I, I choose local and to make sure the people around me know that I care about them. And then uh, one thing that it would go a long way, I think, is being polite. Yeah. So if people stopped being rude and, or whatever, you know, what, what, however you want to act, if you were just to act the way you would act in front of your mom mm. and be polite, then we could get along a lot easier. So if that answers your question, I would choose local, make sure that, and I, you know, and I try to make sure that everybody knows that I, I care about them and connect locally because those are the people I really can help. Mm. It's funny, you go, does that answer your question? The reason I ask questions is not because I'm looking for a particular answer. It's because I want to hear your aspect, your perspective, your thinking uh, and your lens in which uh, you are now, com you know, I've communicated a question to you and then you've received it and gone, hey, this is, and because of we we're outside there in the field, I haven't been there. I have no idea of that. And so, you know, this is where I think it comes right back into the importance of having different distinctions at the decision table because you come from this different perspective. And, that, and I think it brings up an interesting question because how do we then, you know, like when I ask questions, if you've been a part of my world, you know that I don't, there's no right, wrong. It's just, I want, I'm curious. It's like what Cameron said, I'm curious. I want to know what I don't know. But that's not actually how we're taught. It's not something that is a natural thing. So how do we, you know, bridge that gap from, well, actually, I'm just asking questions because I'm really curious because I seriously want to know what I don't know. Yeah, and I answer, with, and I say, hey, did that answer your question? Because I get distracted and I go down a rabbit hole. 
and I want to make sure that I'm staying to talk about what you want. that rabbit hole because there's reasons you go down that rabbit hole, right? Because that's the way you think and that bit leads to this bit, that leads to that. How I then take that is how I interpret what you've said. Mm -hmm. And Yeah, no, I love it. When I know what I don't know, it comes back to like what we did on the first day, awareness. When When I know what I don't know, I can now, on the second day, we were talking around how ownership, so now that I know what I didn't know, I now know, so now I have responsibility. I now need to take ownership. And today, you know, it's all about, well, how do we action it? So I'm going to finish up because we do have Mike in the house and I, I have to ask you, you know, the 1% movement. What's the one thing you're going to do to shift that dial by 1%? Yeah. Well, my goal is to get to a thousand businesses that I'm helping get the culture and like I said, pass it to their employees and their kids. Cause that's how I feel like I can make the biggest impact quickest by helping people be, take care of their base needs and letting them be better parents. Cause I, I feel like that's, that's something that, that's been lost. The focus has been lost and people having a bad day at work. I mean, my dad had three jobs and, and that sort of thing. I mean, it was just not like, I never even either didn't see the guy or he was mad when he was home because I woke him up or something like that. You know what I mean? So if I can help that and I'm to 438, I think right now. And so it's just, it's still a goal just to help with all of the business owners needs because I need them to get the right culture. I need them to feel comfortable being, you know, open and vulnerable with their people so that we can make better kids. Love that. You need to add that to the 1% movement.com. All right. Because so that we can watch as you progress and celebrate with you when you hit that 1000. Love it. Thank you so much, always. You know, I've seen in here already. Thank you, Jonathan. Really enjoyed your take on leadership and the fear people have in business, especially at the time in our history. Yes. How good is it, right? We've talked a, I mean, we've talked a lot on the racial kind of conversation because we've needed to bring that into it. But, yeah, do I get yeses that there's been hope in the house? That we are, yeah, right? Like hope. And, and I think that is just so important as, you know, we continue to stand up in leadership. You've given us some amazing tools there and thinking. Uh, I love that. Jane says the rabbit hole gives context. I totally agree. I felt, Denise said, I felt there was a lot of vulnerability in the way Jonathan shared about doing all that he can so that he does not have to tell a kid that his parent died as a hero. Oh, goosebumps, right? Who wants makes to me, that? Makes like, me cry almost. <laughs> seriously. Whew. That's pretty amazing. And you, I think he has a higher calling that takes him to what he has to do. Yeah, pretty amazing stuff, right? So kudos, my friend. I so appreciate you. And I appreciate you being part of this tribe as well. Thank you, everyone. Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, leave awesome ratings and reviews. Our hope is that this product creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, and a curiosity for the need to be a part of the change, to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, join us 
at our next Global Human Intelligence Forum or apply to our next Leaders Movement Parlay. Both links are in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to build a tribe and make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, pioneers, future thinkers, and movement changers. Big love. See you on the next Global Human Intelligence Podcast.